HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd. This is your host, Greg Blaze. This is our first episode of the winter spe- winter season, I guess it is. Yeah. Um, with me today in the booth is uh, Ann Saxelby, founder, board chairman, chairperson of Cutting the, Court, <laughs> the Curd. <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> I am definitely under the weather and recovering from a massive, massive holiday season. Uh, how about you? Yeah, pr- about the same. I-, I feel like I've started to like know what day of the week it is again, somewhat. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I-, I don't think I've ever sold... In fact, I know I have not ever sold as much cheese in any holiday season as I did this season. I didn't think it was humanly possible to sell as much cheese as I did. I'm not saying that to like, brag about it. It like seriously took a toll on my life, I think. <laughs> well, it's true. Well, I feel like Italy has got to be a really particular beast. I mean, if you go there on like your average day that's not Christmas or Thanksgiving or Hanukkah or anything, it's already packed to the gills. So I can only imagine how much you guys were doing. I mean, yeah. Uh, I, 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 and I mean, you were storing cheese like all over the, the all over the store, all over the city. All yeah, over thank the- God it got cold out because I definitely was not <laughs> using refrigeration to store all my products. It was like it was not it was not happening. Yeah. So I- so what were the, so like what were the highlights? Did you have any like were there any like m- customer meltdowns? Like were there any staff meltdowns? <laughs> <laughs> what were what were some of the big? We big staggered happenings? through. We staggered through. Actually, we we did really well. I had a good core of people that has been with me since the beginning of Italy, and we we got through the holidays, you know, with that core group, and we added some good staff members. You know, it made me realize a just. It's something that will sound awful, but isn't like good people are so hard 
to find. I right? know. Yeah, it's really true. And I have some of the best people. I love I love it. And today, uh, and when Ann and I are going to be talking a little bit about, we're going to recap 2014 and in a certain way, talk about some cheesy issues. And also, hopefully, we will get on uh, one of my good people, um, uh, an alumnus of the Italy New York City cheese counter, Matt Riley, who just won the Cheesemonger Invitational uh in the West Coast last Woo-hoo! evening. Congrats, congratulations. I'm, I'm, I'm batting a thousand for cheesemongers uh, these last couple of years. I know. That's amazing. I was saying you're like the Mr. Miyagi of the cheese world. <laughs> you're like the grumpy, the grumpy guy who likes like wax on, wax off. I, I do bear a striking resemblance to Pat Morita. I've been told that for, for, for many years. Yeah. Just need to get the little headband working. That would be awesome. With this. Oh, uh, yeah. It's sweet. So, Super intimidation factor behind <laughs> the counter it's beautiful it's beautiful i remember when i beat up all those teenagers that were going to come and beat up uh beat up daniel it was it really really made me feel good the <laughs> <laughs> like cobra kai was coming after me <laughs> that's so great <laughs> so well, wait, just so thinking of you know so things that do you do anything special during the holidays to like keep the troops motivated or like- I do. I mean, we we uh, we got together uh, this year, me and, and some of the members. The problem with with having staff parties during the holiday season, as I'm sure you know, is that everybody gets hammered because we're all stressed out because it's the holidays, and some people have to work. Do you know what I mean? So that then the people have to close the shop that don't get to go to the holiday party aren't super happy with those people, and then they want the day off. Blah 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 blah. But I managed to scrap together some of the members of my of my staff, and we went to. Uh, place in Williamsburg called the Grand Street Bar and Grill that has massive hamburgers and wings and we threw down some shots and uh you know took the edge off a little bit what that, about you that sounds great we we actually um our longest day of the year we decided we had a couple like large mail order customers this year um so I'm talking about at the cheese cave at the warehouse I mean the shop was just kind of crazy all the time but yeah um, at the warehouse, we had this really, really killer long day. We came in at 6 a.m. to start the mail order. We didn't finish until 6 p.m., but that night we had already slated a, uh, a like a raclette dinner for the oh, staff. Nice. So it ended up being like the perfect thing ever or the most perfect thing ever because we were just, you know, so tired. So just like, you know, burned out. And at the end of the day, we just like cracked open this giant bottle of red wine that oh, one of our yeah. chef friends had given to us a couple of years ago. And we were like, I wonder if it's even still good. You know, it turned out to be awesome, delicious Morgone wine that like, you know, we never would have gotten our hands on otherwise and just ate tons of melted cheese on potatoes. And I feel like it should become an annual tradition because it was just so much fun. I'd like to come to that annual tradition. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I feel like a little raclette goes a long way when you're when you're like you know working hard. But you're using the Springbrook raclette, right? Yes. I mean, and that's another thing that's come a long way. I feel like uh, that's something that happened in 2014 that we can talk about. The Spring Springbrook uh, Farms, their cheeses this year, uh, I think, took off to. I mean, obviously, they won Best in Show for Tarantay's Reserve at the ACS, right? Yeah, And uh, the Reading raclette, I think, this year was was best that I've ever had it. And it's been good every year I've had it. So good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, they had a great year. They had a great year. And I feel like the Reading Raclette, I know um, that they've made a lot of it. And so they had some cheeses, I think, that were more like five months old versus like three, four months. And gosh, well, just like the Tarantays, the age makes all the difference in the world. Um, and, the old and, ones are superb. Yeah. I mean, my God, the texture on those just turns to... 
that they just become wonderful and fudgy, you know, and uh, all the savory qualities of Alpine cheese that I like come yeah. out in those uh, in those older wheels. Exactly. You know? So, um, like I said, we're going to talk about a couple of things, and I think I feel like two two the year two thousand fourteen was definitely could be like deemed the year of legislation or the year of impending potentially horrible legislation. Yeah, regulation. Regu- yeah. Yes, regulations. I'm sorry. And and I it's a uh, I see you scratching your head as I'm talking to you like that. It's just Ugh. like such a stress causing agent uh you know for 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 cheesemakers uh, we started out this year um with uh the, the sort of like renumeration or revisiting of the Food Safety Modernization Act mm-hmm. and, uh, and all of the, the potential problems that that would cause for our industry. And uh, not, I wouldn't say a panic, but a definite, you know, that puts everybody's ears up, especially in a, in a community where, you know, cheese is made traditionally from all of our vendors, you know, so... I got to say that that was a hell of a way to to sort of begin. Uh, yeah, and the kind of questions like you know that always come up when those issues. It's like you know this kind of agriculture isn't a one size fits all model, which uh, uh, you know regulations like that tend to tend to be. You know, it's like you can't treat a dairy farm with you know ten cows the same way you would treat uh, a giant industrial farm in you know. <coughs> I don't know Wisconsin or California. No, or, the two are, the, to scale they don't they don't match up. Yeah, right? and of course, like you need good practices across the board. But what that looks like in terms of equipment, in terms of record keeping, and all that can be very different from operation to operation. So it's it definitely does, like you said, um, make everyone's ears prick up. Yeah, I feel like you know, like that's how we that's how was sort of the underlying theme of everything that went on in 2014. Um, was sort of not overshadowed, but that that was in the background of everything well, good yeah. that went on. Well, yeah, I, f- I feel like it's it's a really, I don't know, it's an interesting time. It's a scary time. I feel like American cheese in general has never been better. I agree with that. It's it's just the quality and the diversity and um, everything, you know, it, it's just so great. And, and I feel like over the past couple of years, it's been very interesting for me to watch because a lot of... Um, the imports that I remember really loving when I first got into cheese about 10, 10 years ago, those are becoming less and less available, but there are domestic cheesemakers. Like what? Well, like, you know, Farmstead Morbier or Farmstead Sonicterre, two examples. You know, we used to, we do a teeny bit of, um, French cheese, um, and, uh, from Hervé Mons. I'm aware. And, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, you are. And, um, and, you know, those cheeses we can't order anymore, um, the Farmstead Sonicterre and Morbier. But I've seen cheeses like Kinsman Ridge from Landaff yeah. Creamery come along that is great like a Farmstead Sonicterre. Or, you know, the Redding, Redding Raclette, as we were saying, is as good as any sort of raclette, that raw milk raclette that would come from that region. Easily. And so... You know, you see these domestic cheeses kind of starting to take the place almost of certain, you know, European standbys because you just can't get the traditional versions of it anymore, which is really exciting. But then at the, by the same token, it's really scary then to think that, you know, the government could decide to say, hey, you guys can't make that anymore. And that's it's there. I mean, yeah, there's that weird there's a weird crux of uh, of I feel like. You know, American cheeses and American cheesemongers and America, just our community of people who do what we do is uh, has reached a certain level of uh, 
that it's never been at before as long as I've done this. So um, it, it is frightening. And then, you know, along with the along with the Food Safety Modernization Act and the and, you know, the potential uh, I say the potential removal of the ability to use wood boards to age cheese on um, that that affected cheese production in our in our community this year. Uh, we had a, yeah, well, the wood board scare that was that was huge. Yeah, was that solely tied to the Food Modernization Act or, or Food Safety Modernization Act, or was that kind of like its own deal? Well, I feel it was born out of that, ah. uh, uh, but it but a you know I, I couldn't be absolutely certain uh, that it that it wasn't a particular uh thing because it in, when i visited uh say i visited emmy earlier uh earlier in the last year you know they uh they had had been able to maintain their wood board aging production through a stringent cleaning process i feel like and this is just i feel like it was about that but but by the same time it, it also encouraged people to become very aware of uh HACCP regulations in their facilities and become better um, in keeping up with the sanitization, I mean, with uh, with food regulatory issues. Um, right. Well, yeah, I feel like that's going to become more just de rigueur for cheesemakers in general. Just it's like if you're going to be a farm said cheesemaker from here going forward, basically, HACCP plan is probably going to be a part of your basic business plan. Absolutely. Whereas up until now, it was kind of like, oh, that would be a nice thing to have, but. A lot of people don't have it. Um, I know, you know, for instance, we don't have one at, at our warehouse, and that's one of our goals for this year to, you know, I don't, I don't know if we can nail it down 100%, but you realize the implications um, for your business, you know, if, if something, you know, does go wrong or if things, you know, if, if there is a, a, you know, a problem at any point along the way. So, yeah, I feel like everyone is really paying a lot of close attention to that um, after 2014. Well, because, okay, so there was the, the wood boards. Um, there was the um, uh, non-toxinogenic E. coli. Yeah, maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so basically um, FDA announced um, sort of new levels that were permissible for, for raw milk cheeses in terms of how much non-toxinogenic E. coli they could have. And um, I remember first hearing about this last summer, and um, essentially it was mandating pasteurization of cheese without mandating pasteurization sure. of cheese, because um, th they were saying that they would allow the same level of non-toxinogenic E. coli in a sample of raw milk cheese as they would in a sample of pasteurized cheese. Which is impossible, we know. Which is, well... Well, yeah. technically. Techn nearly impossible. Yeah. And so, and I and I was like... So Vince uh, Reginelli at Jasper Hill Farm um, really did a great job, I feel like, of, of summing this up for me. Um, and they were allowing one colony-forming unit... Or, sorry, 10 colony-forming units per gram of cheese... 10 colony forming units per gram of cheese. And in France, they allow 100,000 colony forming units per gram of cheese. Yeah. So, you know, so you're just kind of like, is that possible with raw milk? And non-toxinogenic E. coli for all of our listeners means it's E. coli that's not going to make you sick. It's just present in the environment. And there's always going to be a little bit because, you know, cows have udders that are kind of near their butts. And there's a lot of poop in barns. <laughs> and, you know, there. it just, you know, there's <laughs> bound to be something, you know, uh, that gets in there. So. <laughs> anyway, so that was a little bit of a scare, and it actually that is what prompted cheesemakers like Andy Hatch at Uplands Cheese to not produce um, Rush Creek it's this year. Shame. Because, you know, with that statement, FDA was saying without saying, oh, you know, maybe we're gonna, you know, we're not gonna allow these these raw milk cheeses, or we're gonna, you know, 
you know, the worst thing that could happen is a cheesemaker would make a beautiful batch of cheese and then have it all, you know, recalled because it had higher than acceptable levels of non-toxinogenic E. coli. So in both cases of the wood boards and that, I feel like the FDA and the, in the E. coli thing, the, the FDA kind of rescinded their position kind of quickly because, you know, the, the community kind of mobilized the cheese loving community and cheesemakers kind of mobilized and were like, whoa, hey, you know, what, what's going on here? I'm like, oh, actually, I feel like there was a little bit of like backpedaling, but not much clarification. So I feel like it just leaves us in a kind of a tenuous situation. Yeah, well, we had also we had uh, the, the head of the ACS, the FDA showed up there. Sure. Um, they yeah. spoke to people and then they spoke to the larger group of us. Um, and it seemed like they wanted to work with the people in the ACS. They wanted to work with the cheesemakers, but the government moves slowly, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Except for when it comes time for them to, you know, come and <laughs> inspect your sure, your or you know, or the they work they work slowly but also sneakily. I feel like because they allow a, a time of for public comment for a lot of these types of issues. They're Absolutely. like, oh, we're thinking of changing the level of non toxinogenic E. coli. Like that's on everyone's radar, you know. And they're like, oh, sorry, the period for comment on that has closed, and so now we've adopted this new law. So. I feel like we're gonna we're gonna start to rely on people like the ACS more um, to kind of keep us all abreast of what's going on um, with with all of this regulatory stuff. Um, yeah, that's a that's a shame we lost the Rush Creek. And I feel like, well, I know that there were a couple floating around out there. There I, were. I, I may or may not have received one in the yeah. mail or something like that. <laughs> 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 But it's sad. Uh, it's sad that we that we that we lost a couple of things. Um, but in the you know, in in reality, um, you're always you're always going to come up against this sort of thing. I feel like you know, I feel like that's the way that the world is is going in general is towards more regulations on any and everything. It's food standardization, food, yeah. labeling, yeah, all kinds uh, of things. Uh, human beings aren't left to very much to be human beings in this world anymore. They, you know what I mean? We are we're we're not being left to our own devices when it comes to what we can and can't put into our uh, into our bodies and that we can't Or what make. you can and can't put in an email or what you can and can't put, you know. Yeah, it's it's going that way. And yeah. uh, I guess cheese is um will fight against that uh that current for you know, as long as we possibly can. Um, so we're going to take a short break here, our little uh, our little roundup, and uh, hopefully when we get back, we'll have uh, Matt Riley to talk to about and uh, talk about some happy times. Uh, happy times in 2015. <laughs> yeah, Let's do it. Absolutely. Stay tuned. You're listening to Don't Marry Mermaids by Mamarazzi.
The dairy farm families of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board are proud to underwrite Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Wisconsin cheeses have an illustrious heritage of more than 170 years of quality and craftsmanship. During this long and rich history, the art and science of cheesemaking have been captured in time-honored traditions that produce cheese varieties of unsurpassed excellence. Today, Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit www.eatwisconsincheese.com. Hi, I'm Reggie Watts, and you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Hey there, guys. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd. We're, we are trying to get Matt Riley on the phone, and uh, hopefully we'll have him by the end of the show. I'm the CMI winner um, from Italy, Chicago, from 2015. Well, he might be he, he might be stuck in transit. It's kind of a it's a, it's not a nice day out there. So he might be, you know, stuck in the sky trying to get back to New York. I just had one, you know, really, uh, um, you know, deep thought that during the break um, and it was spurred by some online research I was doing today. But given that the show is sponsored by the, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board, do you think that um, the uh, cheese curd sales um, in Wisconsin really take a hit when football season's over? <laughs> I mean, I was thinking, I were watching the games, you know, over the weekend, and I was like, oh, the Packers won. It's a good day for cheese curds. It is. It is a good day for cheese curds when the Packers win. I don't think those people ever stop eating cheese curds. I don't think that ever takes it. In fact, the, the, if, if when the Packers lose, I would wager that the <laughs> amount of, of, of medicinal eating yeah, that goes, goes on up. in that state probably goes way up. So it's just like the bar business. It's like if people are happy, they drink. If people are sad, they drink. It's pro- that's like Absolutely. cheese curds in Wisconsin. Absolutely. I like it. I mean, I think I, I'm sp- yeah, that, that's the way I would look at it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's awesome. Um, all right. Well, so since we can't get mad on the phone, I mean, you know, it's pretty remarkable that Italy has produced uh, two of the last two winners of the Cheesemonger Invitational, which is no small feat. I mean, it's a big and increasingly you know, growingly big competition. Um, I don't know. I feel like there were over 30 participants in the one in New York last year, and I don't know how many folks were out in San Francisco, but can you talk a little bit about how you guys like train your, your, your mongers? Well, the counter, the counter trains them, you know, the business, the busy again, Mr. Miyagi style, <laughs> like being all, all, uh, mysterious and poetic. Like <laughs> the counter trains them, and the environment trains them, and you know, and, I think you put uh, the right people together with good products and uh, and you, you make them uh, feel comfortable, you know what I mean, um, in their environment. Uh, you can get them to do the right thing. It's, it also doesn't hurt if you have like a thousand people coming every like, you exactly. know, couple hours because then you really got it. You're going to know how to cut a quarter pound. That's you the do thing. It over and over exactly. and over again. So, well, so the counter does some of the work. What about like the, you know, like I know your, your boy Craig, you know, he's the guy who breaks down the wheels of Parmesan. Yes, like, Craig Ulmer does that for us. How, so like what, what about those kinds of things that require a certain kind of precision? How, how do you guys, you know, decide who does that and do you switch it around or do you have like one guy who does the Parmesan, one guy who does like other kinds of cuts? I think a good way to train people um, is to, it's like a, it's like a sports team. You know, you, you gotta, 
you pick a position and you, then you stay with it. Uh, some guys are better playing uh, multiple positions; they're utility players. But uh, people <laughs> choose their people choose where they want to be. Then you let them stay there. You know. Yeah. Uh, I remember when when uh, and I think that this is a good thing to talk about in terms of positive things in 2015. You were mentioning during the break that this would be that we were going to this might be to be the year of the legitimizing of the cheesemonger uh, uh, trade in a certain in a certain way. Yeah, I feel like that the profession of cheesemonger has kind of arrived yeah. in, in a certain way. It feels like to me anyways. And I feel like the cheesemonger invitational is a large part of that Absolutely. and I feel like the CCP exam it is. offered by the ACS it's now going to be in its third year at this conference. Like that that those are two big things. I, I think that's interesting. I remember you and I uh, when when you were in this chair and I was in that chair or maybe another chair in this booth and, and we were <laughs> we we talked about the CCP a lot and I talked about uh, what I thought it didn't teach and how it was part of a larger you know a larger um, way to train cheesemongers or a way to to legitimize our profession because operations and skills um, and learning how to work the cheese counter uh, are rarely covered in, in tests but the combination of those two things, uh, I think, proves that you, you know, what I mean, you that that's how you make the that's how you make cheesemongers. I think um, you got to stick them in this like hellacious um, humanity-packed place like Italy, and you know, and just force them to work over and over and over again. And then eventually they they break down and they you know they become uh, really really good at cheesemongers. <laughs> totally, totally, that's awesome. Um, I have not attended the cheesemonger invitational in San Francisco. Have you? No, I actually never get out to the food show. I mean, I feel like now I have two little kids, so there's just like no way in the next couple of years. But it, it's like. It's another. I feel like I'm very curious to know what's what's different about it than uh, than the uh, New York one. We've got to get Adam back on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was in San Francisco. I took a hiatus and lived there for for a minute in the Bay Area, and I I can imagine that <laughs> that it's much a representation of of the Bay Area as the one in New York is of of uh, I guess Brooklyn and the five boroughs here. Uh, if I, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. I feel like I had this idea on the air a couple of years ago, and um, and then I felt bad immediately afterwards for saying it because I was like, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm like putting my colleagues out there in a way that maybe, you know, I'm like <laughs> exploiting them. But I feel like there should be like an old people's cheesemonger. An old people's cheesemonger invitational? Like, yeah, like. Like 70 plus? No, but like, you know, people plus? who like don't <laughs> compete now. Like, I feel like maybe, you know, Matt Rubiner, no offense, Matt Rubiner, but like when the first cheesemonger invitational happened, he won. Right. And I feel like he's of a different generation than most of the cheesemongers that compete and have competed since then. So I envision like this cheesemonger invitational with like folks like Matt Rubiner and myself and you and Jason Hines and like, you know, just, just, uh, is that like the senior PGA tour? Yeah, like the exactly. senior PGA tour. Exactly. Can we play from tees that are closer to the, closer to the hole? I feel like it would be, <laughs> we have a handicap. Exactly. <laughs> Can I get, get like a person to lift and, stuff and while I cut it? Yeah. Right? We get to sit down and take breaks. So like, you know, <laughs> we have lots of bottled water there. Oh no, yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? Fun. And I feel a lot like, of gas X, yeah. maybe a lot of B, a lot of Bino <laughs> oh. on hand. <laughs> oh God, yeah. No, I just feel like that would be so fun, and, and you know, 
People, I, I certainly, I would pay to watch that. I got a text from someone that said I sh- that they wanted me to compete in this year's in the in two th- in this year's to go for an Italy hat trick, and there's no way I'm doing that. Uh, that's setting <laughs> me setting myself up for the ultimate failure of all time. <laughs> My employees are much better cheesemongers than I am. That's not true. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Anyways, probably a pipe dream, but I, I think uh, you know. I would do it if there were, say, like. Like a some sort of dunk tank involved. Like if I could, like yeah. if like we could, we could set it up so, like there's like a booby prize. So like if you didn't make the cut, you have to go to like the dunk tank. So I can like throw things at Matt Rubiner and dunk him in like a big vat of whey. Ooh, that would be awesome. Huh? Yeah, or like a charity component. I was saying they, charity if they component did like, would, be, would be great. Yeah, if they did like for to raise money for like the DZTA, like have all like the awesome. old timers come out and compete. Like, that would be awesome. That would be kind of like great. a battle royal. Like yeah. when they when they <laughs> of, of like uh, the Hunger Games, but with old people cheesemongers and no, no and no killing and no, no killing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. If uh, if. If Adam uh, Moskowitz wants to put that together, I'll... Let's, let's talk to him about this summer. I think that would be good times. I'll definitely do it. Um, yeah. I, I, th- I think, um, you know, as much as I was bummed about some of the things that happened in 2014, I also wasn't that much. That was a great year uh, for cheese. I think that adversity, like this, like, like, like people find in, the, you know, in, in life, I guess, and in, in cheese as it represents life, like sort of pushes us ahead to do to do great things, and I thought we did a lot of great things in 2014, and and I, and I think there are a lot of new producers of cheese in 2015 that we probably are going to look to that are going to rise up. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, definitely. Well, something that I'm really excited about um, personally is uh, Marissa Morrow, who was cheesemaker at Plowgate Creamery um, back. Gosh, this was probably six years ago or so. Um, she and her then partner, um, Princess, and I apologize, Princess, I cannot remember her last name, but they, um, made two really nice cheeses, um, and then, uh, had to shut their operation down, which was, which was a bummer. Um, there was actually a fire in their creamery. Uh, it's it terrible. terrible. Yeah. But so Marissa, um, through the Vermont Land Trust entered this contest and actually, um, won the contest and won the right to purchase a really awesome old school dairy farm. I think it dates back to 1909, um, just outside of Waitsfield, Vermont. And she's going to be making butter there now, cultured butter. Really? Yes. And I'm very excited about it. I actually just saw her over the weekend and she gave me some to taste and it is excellent. Yeah. I'd be liking some of that. <clears throat> yeah. So that's something I'm really excited about. Um, I don't know. What do you, do you know of any producers coming up with the new stuff? Well, I, you know, I, I found this little producer um, through Yost Volto, um, this uh, um, guy in uh, oh man, Oneida or right next to right next to Yost's place in the Volto Creamery. And he makes a great cheese called Alderney um, that initially his name is Dan Finn. Initially, they were he called his cheese Dan Chago or Finn Chago. I was like, oh, no, I, was like, ah, I don't know if I can buy it if you call it that. Um, but they, <laughs> they, they renamed it Alderney. Uh, it's called Bovina Family Farm. And uh, they make a really, it's really nice uh, tome style. Then I got new cheese from uh, from Yost, some hard pressed cheeses. Uh, 
Jeremy uh, from Springbrook told me that they were working on uh, like uh, Morbier types, maybe, yeah. and yeah. Uh, or I don't know if I'm supposed to mention that, but I mean, it's just. People are going to find out anyway, exactly. and, uh, and tomes and stuff. So I'm, I'm really excited for for the growth and of American cheese. I mean, for you, I mean, you're 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 the gal. You're the the uh, the Duchess of American cheese distribution. No, um, well, you know, we still represent such a small portion of the cheesemakers in terms of like geographic area. You know, it's like there's so many producers now. It's just it's it's awesome and boggles the mind. But um. I guess something else that's new on our front that I'm excited about, um, the White Mustache, who made a pretty big splash last year with the yeah. introduction of their Greek yogurt. Yeah. Um, the Homa, the cheesemaker there, is now also making uh, Labna, <coughs> which is really, really excellent, delicious stuff. Um, and uh, she's also selling the Whey, um, which you know I feel like it might take a while to kind of find a, a following. Um, well, people ask for it; they definitely do. Yeah, there are devotees out there, and uh, and it's it's really good. Um, so, I, and I feel like for chefs, especially, like way is an interesting thing for chefs to play with. Yeah, the the, the guys down in Italy, uh, Fitz uh, Fitz Talon, and the other guys who run uh, Mon, uh, Monzo, the meat restaurant in Italy, are, are looking for way and things to to uh, to play around with. Um, they also took a great cheese uh, from me that was aged in. Another new thing here in Brooklyn in the Crown Finish Caves, uh, oh, yeah. Benton Brown. Awesome. Um, they they took a uh, we took a cheese from uh, from Italy, uh, Quaterolo, and uh, brought it to Benton's uh, Caves in Brooklyn and washed it in, uh, or he did. He and Sam Frank uh, washed it in uh, in Italy beer, um, and then it sent it back to us. So uh, that's a new funky thing that we're doing. Way has been hard to find, you know. At the, I didn't mean to go back to that, but I yeah, I've, no, I've been asked for it. And the it's... white mustache, yeah, that she's your she's your gal. She, yeah, Homa Dash Taki. Uh, there's she's lots got of it. new stuff. Yeah, I'm glad that Benton's got his operation up off the ground. I'm glad that they're doing. I, I love that that uh, white mustache is doing things like like a labna or like uh, fr- fresh cheeses like that that have always been around. And like if you shop around in like parts of Brooklyn and and Queens and in places uh, where. The culture is want to eat those sort of things. Um, you could always find that, you know, in like yeah. odd bottles and and jars and of like milky white liquid. Where you're like, I'm not going to buy that. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't. I don't know how to use that. <laughs> yeah, there's. Um, well, speaking of you know new products slash things you can't find. There's a there's apparently there's like a Turkish cheese. It's called Kaimek. It's like a cultured cream. It's like just kind of like a very. I imagine it's somewhere between like creme fraiche mascarpone and labna. Um, so maybe if one of our listeners can enlighten us as to where we could find that, that could be a new product for 2015. Um, but gosh, what other, what other cheeses are, are on the horizon? Um, I heard, uh, sh- again, through Benton, um, there's a, a creamery upstate called, uh, Sugar House Creamery. Yeah. I bought some of their cheese. They're called little, the little Dickens. Little that- Dickens. Fantastic stuff. Little bloomy rind cow cheeses. Yeah. Those are very nice. Um, Let's see, uh, Mystic Cheese. Uh, yeah, they made some nice new Robiola type, the Sea Change, right? Yep, uh, they made the Sea Change. And um, again, all roads lead through the to the um, Crown Finish uh, Creameries. Uh, they, I think they were uh, they were working with Brian Brian Chivatello, who is the 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 brains uh, over there at the Mystic Cheese operation, uh, who also uh, revamped the place in Sea Caucus where I buy my curds. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that guy's everywhere. I met him once. It's a really, really awesome guy. Um, 
There's lots of new stuff, man. You know? Yeah, it's exciting. Like it. Yeah, keeping us keeping us on our toes. Well, that's the thing as the as the as the government tries uh you know, to uh, to regulate our lives, we just got to keep on flooding them with two more dairies, more creameries, more cheesemongers, more farms, more cheeses. You know, that's the and way to go. People who are really on top of their game. You know, yeah. like uh, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that's that, that's that's the way. Study up, people. Exactly. Study up out there. Exactly. And batten down the hatches. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a long 2015 too. It's gonna be a, a banner year. 2015. I'm excited about it. So am I. Well, unfortunately, we couldn't get our guy, Matt Riley, on the phone. I think that he's uh, in customs uh, getting a cavity search there at O'Hare Airport <laughs> or something. He tried to sneak something back from San Francisco or got on the plane shirtless or something like that, uh, as he is wont to do. But congrats well, to him. Well, after you went to CMI, you know, you kind of <laughs> feel like you can do whatever you want. And you can. And uh, thanks, Anne, so much for uh, for coming on with me today. And uh, so... Um, Stay tuned uh, for us this year, with us this year, and we'll have uh, another great show for you next week on Cutting the Curd. Cheers. The theme song for Cutting the Curd is Cheens Gainberg by Taxstar. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.